0: And the ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left all our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brother's all parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. That's the reading of the word. Let's all pray together. God, we thank you for your word. I pray even as Jeremiah shares, you convict us through your word. Speak to him. Speak through him to us, God, today. And I pray, God, that you help us to be responsive to understand, to believe and know what you are calling us to. So I pray you um, that your presence, even now that is here, that we become aware of your presence. we pray this in Jesus' name, and we said, "Amen, you may be seated.
1: Good morning. How are you? We started adding more and more chairs in the back, then I realized nobody wanted to sit up front, and so we keep everybody comfortable as much as possible. Um, Before I start, the tagline for this morning's sermon is risk, faith and finances, week two, risk, and um, by way of introduction, about a month ago when we saw that uh, faith and finances was coming up next, I emailed Craig and I said, hey, Craig, you know, all the churches that I admire, they do a good job of... Putting out a disclaimer at the start of these giving sermon series, and they say this is only for those who are deeply committed to our church. If you're visiting, this isn't for you. If you're not a believer, this isn't for you. And I said we should do that. And then I started reading this passage, um, Luke 18, uh, the rich ruler, and you start to realize that he he goes up to Jesus just curious because he's heard about him, and he says, "What must I do to inherit? Um, what must I do to inherit the kingdom?" And he, he's not even a follower of Jesus yet, and all of a sudden he goes straight to sell everything that you have. And so as much as we try to keep everybody comfortable, um, it, it didn't seem faithful to what was going on in the text. And so the question is, who is this for this morning? Um, and, and quite simply, faith and finances, money is for anyone who just wants more of Jesus. If you're just curious about him, um, you want to know what he's about, you want to know what, what what his heart beats for, um, this is for you. And when I say more of Jesus, I'm reminded of a friend of mine who said um, he, he was going through a difficult time in his life, didn't, didn't know where the Lord was, and, and he, he went out to the beach one day and he was looking out at the beach and, and he, he saw the ocean and he thought, Lord, if you made all of that, if, you're, if you made all of that, if you're that big, why is my experience of you this small? If you're capable of, of so much, why, why is my experience of you this small? And what you have in this text is someone going up to Jesus and saying, just tell me a little bit more. Um, and what you find, the biggest hindrance to more of an experience of God um, has so much to do with his money. And, and our, our unwillingness to have this full adventure with Jesus, often the biggest stumbling block to that, Um, is what we feel about our money. And so this morning, there's going to be three points. Um, Three points. First point is, um, why is it difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom? Two, how do I enter the kingdom? And three, at this cost, do I even want it? Right? So, um, first, why is it difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom? If you're reading through the Gospels, and as I was kind of preparing for this and just reading through other stories, Craig mentioned last week that Jesus is often talking about money, and you start realizing that Jesus' commandments about money aren't just one-off commands, right? Because we read it, and, and we're just like, how do these different commands hold together? And what you realize is that they're, they're not just one-off commands. What, what Jesus is doing, he's, he's giving his disciples, he's articulating an alternate reality, He's walking alongside them, looking out at the world, and he's narrating the world as it really is. He's saying there's things about the way that that you're experiencing the world that doesn't match up with, with reality. And so let me tell you about this reality. And you won't ever understand his commands about money unless you understand the full picture of this reality. Right? And so three markers of this alternate reality. First marker, um, is there is more than this physical life. There is more than this physical life. Be- behind me, you'll see the, the long arrow and the point where it's death. And what you realize is if you're reading Scripture, your life is so much more than, this, you, than, than what happens at, at the end of, of your physical death. And in order to understand reality as the way Jesus sees it, you have to understand that life goes beyond that. And what does this mean? Um, my brother's a wealth manager, so I think, you know, we've had these conversations, um, and, and we could work so hard to be able to plan out our assets to terminate at the end of our physical death. Uh, the hope is that, you know, we, at the end of, you know, our retirement, we've built up enough of, of a cushion in order to be able to gather enough assets to acquire a comfortable retirement, and that at the end of our physical death, our kids could liquidate it and then split it among themselves. The dream. And then hopefully they just don't fight about it and they can still see each other at Thanksgiving um, after you die. But when you, when you read what Jesus is talking about, he's always talking to the rich. And he's saying, don't you understand, there's so much more than this physical life. And you will not understand reality until you understand that, that the impact of what you do with your money now has implications for what happens after you die. And that should be terrifying if all we're doing is ta- figuring out what to do with our money um, in this life, in, in this stage of, of where we're at. Because often when he's looking at folks who are, who are just storing up and storing up and storing up, what he refers to, to them as is as, as fools. Um, because they're not living in, in the actual reality that there's so much more than this physical death, than this physical life, that, 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 that so much happens beyond um, our physical death. Second, Not only is that um, there's more than this physical life. um, Two, there's more than what you can see. There's more than you can see and therefore you have to consider um, the invisible. Often in in scripture, in the gospels, um, Jesus is referring to the fact that there's an enemy. And there's an enemy and he says that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And... Um, it's within this framework that he starts to understand why money why, why money is so powerful. Because money in of itself, I mean, it's like a physical piece of paper. It's a number. It's a digital number on a screen. But why is it so powerful? And what you find in the Gospels is that money is powerful because it's a tangible proxy for invisible longings and fears. It's a tangible proxy. So you know when you're like, married or in your dating relationship, you're not really fighting about the dishes, right? It's a proxy. It's a, every fight is a proxy fight. It's a proxy battle for something deep and invisible that you're unpacking. Often you can just blame your parents for something that, you know, they ruined you for. But most of what we, there's so much more than what you can see. It's a tangible proxy for individual longings and fears. And I, I put some of mine, you know, so, so what, what, is, what is money about? It's about signaling to the haters that you're successful. Um, it's, about, it's about gaining respect from people that, that you want to respect you. Um, it's about making sure that you're never going to have to depend on anybody else, right? It's about acquiring the things that you think will bring you happiness, even though every academic paper and study shows that, you know, things can only do so much for your actual happiness. But what does the enemy do? Um, I've heard it recently said that what the enemy longs to do is to seduce, coerce, and intimidate. He seduces you and, and places you in a culture of materialism that says, if I could just get that next thing, I will be twice as happy. Or um, through a mindset of scarcity, he intimidates us by saying, if we don't secure our future for ourselves, then no one else is going to take care of us. Um, and, and and what we find over and over again that Jesus and his commands um, is pushing us back to see not the, the reality as the enemy wants you to see, um, but reality as, as he wants you to see. And so the third marker is that in his reality, in Jesus' reality, there's grand reversals. There's grand reversals. And, and this is more of an implication of point number one. So if you live with an expanded horizon, right, what, what he talks about when he's, when he's, you know, giving his disciples story after story. Um, he's, he's rather harsh. He comes off rather harsh in the book of Luke to those who, have, to those who are rich. And you're saying, like, is, is God just angry with people who, who have money? And, and in other passages, you find that, no, there, you know, he has many followers who have money. But, but when, he, when he talks about those who have wealth, it's more of a shorthand. It's a shorthand for, for um, because in that place and time, in order to have wealth, there's more a cultural thing, um, your, your 100% focus had to be on this life. And so the reason why he's, he's often railing against the rich is because of their mindset. It's not so much that they have money, but more of the mindset behind it that says that all they have to focus in on is, is this life alone. And he says this is the mark of what it means to be unfaithful. So if you think about it, this is how it sort of makes sense because he's often talking about how the last are first you know, those who, who have wealth now and experience happiness now um, about, you know, the Lord is going to meet those who, who, who suffer, you know, and, and, and the, the future, in, in the coming kingdom, life is going to be this, this, this alternate reality. Because if you think about it, you know, those who, who might not, who might live with an expanded horizon, thinking about the future, might not have the things to flaunt, um, but it's because they're living on alternate reality that, that, that causes them to relinquish more of their assets. Um, so, one, they live within ex- we have to consider an expanded horizon. Two, we have to consider the invisible. And three, we have to consider that in this alternate reality, um, there are grand reversals. Um, so, why is it difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom? It's because in this life, in the here and now, the wealthy have the most to lose in this alternate reality. Um, they have, they have to, the most to relinquish. They have the most to offer to God and say, this is not mine, this is yours. And, he's, and, and Jesus is looking at the rich ruler and he's saying, oh yeah, this is really hard. Because you, you've based your identity, you've based your comfort, you've based your security on this proxy and it means so much to you. And so to relinquish it can feel like life or death. And so the question is, if it's difficult for the wealthy, for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom, how, how do I enter? How do I enter? And this morning, um, what we find in the text um, is that we have to risk. We have to risk our life and our family's life uh, My buddy also said, the same guy who told me that thing, I think he's really profound, I guess. Um, He he said that, you know, the mark of whether you believe in something is not whether you're willing to suffer for it, but if you're willing to make your kids suffer for it. Like, that's how you know if it's real for you, right? And so that's why I say this morning we have to risk our life and our family's life on this alternate reality. We have to risk our life and our family's life on this alternate reality. This is what it means... um, to enter the kingdom. This is what it means to have faith. Because often we make faith about intellectual assent. But if you read in scripture. I don't think Jesus. Jesus doesn't really care about intellectual assent. He doesn't say oh okay you said the, the thing in your heart. Usually the risk of faith comes with. Um, comes with a, a real life. Real life consequence of, of what it means to follow. And so we risk our life and our family's life on this alternate reality. Um, and what I want to say is there's, there's two risks. There's, there's, a, there's a small risk and there's a big risk. There's a small risk and there's a big risk. The small risk of risking your life and your family's life on this alternate reality is you could potentially lose out on the things that, um, was previously named on the previous screen. So, so um, what it could mean is if you might not be able to live um, in the house that, that you always dreamed of growing up, in the town that you, you always dreamed of growing up. Um, you might not have the number of homes during your retirement that you imagined you would have. Um, you might not be able to send your, your kid, I mean, unless they get on scholarship, to that private school you always hoped. Um, and you might not be able to signal to all the haters that you're as successful as you, you hoped when they were bullying you in high school. But it's a small risk because the bigger risk is, is Jesus saying, um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you might have life And life to the full. Because what happens is. When you put your money in with Jesus. He rearranges. He imputes new meaning. He carries you forward and explains. This is how life was supposed to to work. Um, And the the bigger risk that we run. When we don't place our lives and our family's life. On this alternate reality. Is we don't have fellowship with almighty God. We don't get to live with him as the center of. Of our lives. Um, we, don't, we don't communicate to our children. In, in, in word and in deed. That, that he is the God that they're supposed to run after. With everything that they have. And the bigger risk. The bigger risk. Is that we never encounter the divine. Um, and. If you think about it. that's really risky because if he's real don't you want more of him don't you don't you want to live your life sensing his presence don't you want freedom from the things that the enemy negatively um, imputes meaning into your life with so one why is it difficult For the rich to enter. Two. How do I enter? I have faith. Real faith. That causes me to risk my life. And my family's life. On this alternate reality. Of the kingdom. Of God. This is what the alternate reality is. And scripture. I mean the Christianese way of saying it is. It is the kingdom of God. Last. At this cost. Okay. So what is it? Wait. Let me me jump back. So what does this look like practically? Um, Because. Often we want to hear, okay, so just tell me a percentage. It's not, are you saying it's not 10%? Is it it 11? Is it 11% Jeremiah? Just tell me a percentage, you know. And I really, what you you find is in, in the New Testament, the commands of Jesus seem amplified. Because the more of an experience of God we have, it seems like the more he's calling us out further to trust. And so the question this morning, two, two, two questions. You know, if you're like, okay, so what's my next step? Um, I'd say, spend some time with, with God and ask, Lord, in what ways in my life am I being seduced, coerced, and intimidated by the enemy? Um, in the area of money, in what ways am I being seduced, coerced, or intimidated? And two, Lord, how much are you calling us to risk as an act of living in your alternate reality? How much are you calling me, my family, to risk as an act of living in your alternate reality? Um, so three, at this cost, do I even want it? Um, do, do I even want it? Um, because the way the things are sort of works for me. So if he's calling me into this alternate radical reality, do I even want it? And um, I think the answer to that, Um, the answer to that is found in in the the verse um, 22 when he says one thing you still lack sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me Um, when we read the story it's easy for us to read ourselves as the rich ruler and we automatically think oh my goodness I have so much to risk Oh my goodness, so much to risk. Um, but a more proper reading, a more faithful reading, is not to see ourselves as a rich ruler. Why do I say that? In, in Revelation 3, Jesus is talking to um, a, a well-to-do congregation in Laodicea, and he says, and I have it on the screen, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And he says, you know, compared to almighty God, you're not rich. Um, we're needy. And a faithful reading of, of, the, of all of scripture is to understand that um, we are in desperate need. We are in desperate need. In this alternate reality, we are in desperate need of God. And we could do so much to make it seem as though we don't need God. Um, And so much of our society is predicated on the fact that we don't need anything, anyone. But the faithful reading of this story in Luke 18 is to see that we are not the rich ruler. Um, We're the needy who need his donations. We're the needy that need his alms. So the question is, who is the rich ruler? What we find in scripture that the rich ruler, the ultimate rich ruler is Jesus, who has everything he could ever want, everything he, who, everything he ever needs. And what Jesus does is he, he goes, comes down to earth, goes on the cross and sacrifices everything for those who are needy. He sacrifices everything for those who are needy, giving up his life. And what we believe as Christians is that because Jesus gave up everything, um, our risk-taking, our risk-taking is not about buying anything from God. It's not a transaction. Because Jesus has paid the penalty on our behalf, because Jesus gave of himself... The risk that we carry is not so that we can, we can buy a standing with God, but, but it's merely an invitation into freedom. It's an invitation into life as it was meant to be lived. And the question this morning is, don't you want to live in that reality? That as you give, you remember that Jesus has paid it all so that you could no longer live in the bondage of the enemy coercing, seducing, and intimidating you. That you could place yourself into this alternate reality where where Jesus is truly Lord. Um, And if this is true, that he's made a way for us to experience Almighty God, what is stopping us from giving everything he calls us to give so that we could experience more of Him. Let's pray. Lord, you've called us into such a dynamic faith. You've called us into a faith that calls us and invites us to risks our sense of reality, to risk our sanity for a different way. Lord, and we believe that the different way that you're calling us into is an alternate rhythm for how life should be lived. And ultimately, Lord, though we can't see fully with our eyes, we trust, because you are God, that it will lead to our joy. And even if not our joy in this life, Lord, we know that life um, there's so much more to come. And so we believe help our unbelief.
0: And Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.